Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Angels who are in his presence at all times look down at what we have been given by God, the opportunity, and they're like, those are some blessed people down there. We really are, guys. We can rejoice. In the midst of the trials, we need the trials. We don't like the trials. Didn't say you have to like them, but we need them. And then we just need to be reminded that we truly are a blessed people. No matter how many trials and seasons of hardship come your way, you are blessed. Sometimes it can be hard to see it that way, though. Pastor James explains in today's message that just being accounted for in the family of God makes you incredibly blessed. Jesus told us in his word that we'll experience seasons of difficulty, but he also encouraged us to take heart in the fact that he has overcome the world. Pastor James encourages you that in Christ, you have every victory. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I played basketball in high school. We had this crazy coach. He was the best. He was the best guy. I think. I think really the Lord started using him to plant seeds of the gospel in my life without me knowing that he was even a, a Christian or a believer or anything like that because I was not. But he had this insane idea that in the off season, basketball off season, which happens in the spring kind of semester of, of high school, and it was down here. It was in Angleton, Texas. Just when the heat and humidity is starting to really peak, right? Yeah, like. He's like, go hit the track. If you want to play basketball, if you're really a part of this team, go hit the track, run a mile, you have to get it in a certain amount of time. If you don't, you can do it again immediately. If you don't want to do that, you're not a part of my team. He had this crazy notion of like, I'm going to weed out those who are not for real. Those who are just like, you signed up for athletics so you can kind of skip out on some other classes, right? We all know what that's about. Yeah, did I do that? Of course I did. but I could also play basketball. So, uh, But he had this notion of like, no, I'm going to figure out who's really, who really wants to be a part of the team. And sometimes that's what, that's what trials and tribulations do. It's going to test the genuineness of your faith, as we see in verse 7. We need these trials. We needed to hit the track. We needed to run those laps because we needed to prove, not only to our coach, but also to ourselves, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm not going anywhere. And I'll run it three, four, four or five times because at that time, basketball was all of my life. And I would die on that track trying to make that time to prove like, no, this is, this is who I am. Okay. Praise God. That's not true of anymore. Basketball is not who I am. And my knees testify to that. He says, going on verse six, the rest of verse six, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, many trials of various trials, differing kind of trials, but only for a little while. There's a start and an end date to every single trial that you go into. Every single trial you go into, there's a start date and there's an end date. Some are shorter, some are longer. Okay. Some of those things are chock full of preservatives and it seems like they just last forever, right? You're like, when is this going to end? When does this go bad? Like, 
I don't know, but there's a various amount of trials that you and I must go through. We need this. And in one sense, this is Christ's gym that we have just signed a membership to. And you might not have entered into this relationship thinking like, yeah, I want to grow stronger. But when you signed up, so to speak, on that dotted line, he's like, I'm going to make you stronger. Whether you signed up for it or not, welcome to the club. Welcome to my gym. We're going to hit some weights. You're not going to like it. You're going to get mad at times. You're going to cry at times. You're going to think, I can't possibly do this anymore. And then the process throughout the whole journey, you're going to look back and you're like, I used to not be able to lift that much. I used to not be able to run that far. I used to not be able to run that fast. What happened? He's working with you, in you, through you, getting you stronger and stronger and stronger. You and I need this. And it's various trials, many trials, all that good stuff. But just for a little while, verse 7, it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, that it's real. Think back to the parable that Jesus shared with his disciples and, and those who he's teaching to concerning the, the, you know, the four different fields where the, the farmer would throw the seed out to. And quite often in some of those places, the, the seed would never take root on the beaten path. It, it couldn't take root. And then there was shallow ground where it would take root and it spring up really fast. But then as soon as the sun came out, it killed it. They couldn't last. They couldn't endure because they had no depth. Everything looked right, but there couldn't be a harvest. There couldn't be any fruit from that because there was no depth to the thing at all. And then there was a portion of the field that was, that was just perfect to receive the seed and for the roots to sink down in deep for it to grow, multiply, harvest, all that good stuff. These trials will help to help us to understand where we're at with the Lord. We need these, we need these trials. He says they're going to show that our faith is genuine, that it's real. At this point in time, the obstacle that Peter and, and, Pete and Paul and some of the other church leaders of the day, they were dealing with like Gnosticism. It was running rampant throughout the churches at this point in time. And so they, a lot of people were creeping into the churches and saying, no, 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 Jesus never really died. Jesus never really resurrected. In fact, they would even go so far as to say, well, he wasn't even really a person, right? And this whole thing of like, why would, why would a God Almighty even want to step into this messed up world and all this stuff? I mean, there's a lot that was circulating around the churches at this point in time. And so Peter says, oh, you want to know if your faith is really real? God will put you through a trial. He'll allow a trial to come into your life so that you know. God already knows. He already knows. At no point in time in history has God ever been surprised. Never, right? He's not sitting around in heaven with Jesus at his right-hand side and the angels being like, whoa, look who just got saved. Did you see that coming? I never saw that coming. If that's true of him, then he's not God. So he knows whose are his but we need to know this. And even if you are a Christ follower, you need to know where you stand with him. And sometimes there's nothing better than a good little trial to creep into your life to really expose how much further you have to go. Case in point, a star going out on your car. Only exposes to me, I have a long way to go. I have such a long way to go. And it's true. And, and we've learned lessons from that. And that, you know, I, I, hear and listen to stories, you know, with Chuck Smith, who's one of my heroes of the faith, and him telling stories of like, you know, they had no money, and then the bills were coming in, and, and, and I will never forget the story that he told, where everything was stacking up against them, him and Kay. 
and you know, all the bills and all that good stuff. And what he chose to do in that moment in their kitchen was grab his wife and just start dancing. They just started dancing. Why? Because he's like, the Lord will take care of it. The Lord will provide. So what are we going to do? We're going to dance. We're just going to dance. And that just play replays in my brain, especially after I, I fell miserably during trials and, and all that stuff where I'm like, why don't we just dance more? I'm talking about me and my wife. I'm not going to dance with any of you. No offense, but I don't dance at all. Those days are done for me too. Uh, just like my knees in high school, the dancing ended then too. Uh, but within our family and when the trials come in, it's like, why, why isn't my response to just dance? Why isn't my, and, and it's not natural. It, it's, it has to be supernatural. The, the term greatly rejoice technically means to dance. Why don't we dance more? Trial comes in, you're going to experience them. Maybe you're going through one right now. If you're not, I'm sure there's one on the horizon for you. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but I mean, this is real life. My encouragement to you is to do the thing that I'm trying to learn to do, is let that first response be, you know what, Lord, this is yours. I think I'm just going to dance. I think it's just going to be okay. So if you see me randomly dancing, you'll know like, oh, he's going through something. Um, (laughs) These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Gold is a precious metal. With precious metals, sometimes there can be impurities within the metal itself. And so in order to draw out the impurities within this precious metal, flinching every so often, because that's exhausting and it's weird. I want this faith displayed within my life where I can confidently walk through this life trusting, yeah, I trust in Jesus. I know things are going to work out. It may not work out the way I want it to or the way I think it's going to or whatever, but I know I'm in his hands. I know I'm in his hands. And Lord, help me to remember that, man, I can walk confidently through this life. Because I'll admit, that is a struggle for me. That is a struggle. For 20 plus years of walking with Jesus, it still is a struggle with me. News will come in that will totally derail me in my walk with Jesus and my trust in my faith. And what, what maybe today is a, a, you know, a confident trust in Jesus. He can do anything. Then the news will come in tomorrow. And I'm like, Jesus, where are you at? That's my walk with Jesus. It's messy. It's imperfect. It's very imperfect in one sense, but I'm still in the gym and I'm still working out, you know, and there's been growth within my walk with him for sure. But I read these things and I'm like, yes, this, this is what I want. In all things, I want to glorify him. In all things, I want to glorify him. It's easier said than done though, right? I think it's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's easier said than done. But the salvation of your soul, the rescue, it, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen for each and every one of us. It will happen. Verse 10, this last little bit, this part that I would label, we are truly blessed. If you're a Christ follower today, you are truly blessed. It says this salvation, and just keeping everything within context, Peter's like, this salvation, what? The salvation of your soul, this future event kind of a thing that's going to happen, right? Because you've been born again. You're like, you're saved, right? So don't misunderstand me. You are saved. That's happened if you place your faith and trust in Jesus. But we're talking about a future salvation, a future rescue, okay? That's, that's the terminology we're using here, all right? So it's not like, Wait, I thought I got saved when Jesus, when I trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I did that to confess and all that good stuff. Yes, but there's a rescue to come, okay? Because we're still stuck in this world, 
right? So there's a rescue to come. And that's the future salvation that we're talking about. It's not that like, well, am I in or am I not? No, if he's your savior, Lord and savior, you're in. The future rescue, his return, I'll say it like that, is kind of what we're, what we're thinking here. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. So they're on the whole other, other side of the cross. They're looking towards the cross. You and I look back at the cross. We know what's happened. But the prophets were looking to the cross. They don't know how it's all going to play out. They have these prophecies. They're being given these words from God. Isaiah was told that it, he's going to be born of a virgin, which we literally believe he was born of a virgin. Okay? That's close-fisted issue. Like, we don't, we don't move around on that deal. Born of a virgin. He had to be. He had to be. And there was many other prophecies concerning his life and, and what it was going to look like. And they were all perplexed because when they're looking ahead at a Messiah, what they're being told is he will suffer. He will suffer. But then he'll be glorified. And so they're kind of tripping out because they're trying to figure out like, well, how's that all going to work? And they, it says they, they were, they were looking into these things. They were, technically, they were investigating all of these things. So Jeremiah got a prophecy. You know, he's, and any, anybody who was like a, a counterpart to Jeremiah who may have heard that, well, they were going to look into it themselves. You understand? Or maybe there's a prophet who had gone before all of them and words, you know, circulating around in, whether it's the northern tribes or the southern tribes. When they get word of this stuff, they I mean, it's just piquing their interest of like, okay, prophecies, like, this is about the Messiah. And so they're investigating into these things, digging down into these things, because they're just like, the Messiah's going to come and he's going to die, but then he's going to be raised again. So they were getting notions of this stuff, but it was sparking their curiosity, if anything. It says that they, they looked into these things, but they're looking at the cross as it, because it hadn't happened yet. And so in their prophecies is what Peter is saying here. It says they, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them, and again, the Spirit of Christ is indicating the Holy Spirit within them, was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. Yes, his resurrection, but his great glory afterwards is also his return. Speaking about his return. You can imagine some of these guys getting these prophecies about what's going to happen to this Messiah and they're hearing that, like, he's going to die, but then he's going to come back. And in their brains, they're really getting, like, kind of stoked for you and I. Because they know that that's not a reality for us in one sense. They'll never see it. And they never saw it. But you and I living on this side of the cross, it's past tense. We didn't see the events happen, but we have all the evidence we need to verify the fact that, yes, he did die on the cross, and yes, he did raise from the grave, and yes, he did ascend up to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, and yes, he will be coming back very soon. So these prophets were getting excited for you and for me because we live in that reality right now. And so as they're writing this stuff out, as the Holy Spirit is inspiring them, which is another good reason to read the Bible which means the Old Testament as well. Do not throw away the Old Testament. Don't do that. You're like, it's boring. Okay, 
Go back to it and read it again. I know there's difficult parts in the Old Testament. We all can agree on that. I don't know. I got to read through names of like numbers of how many people in this tribe. And I'm like, why does this even matter? And it's just ongoing and ongoing. But you know what? It's good discipline to read through the word. Because there's value in all of it. Because here's the deal. If the Holy Spirit was using Moses to write the book of Numbers, which has some pretty rad stories in it beyond the numbers themselves, right? It's all, in, it's all God breathed. It's all inspired by him. We should place tremendous value on both the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is why on Thursday nights we teach through the Old Testament because we want to have a place for that as well. But here's these prophets, they're being told by the Holy Spirit things to write. And as they're writing these things out, they're just, their minds are getting blown by like, can you believe this is going to happen? Like, he's going to come. God will incarnate, take on flesh, show up on this planet, live a perfect sinless life to be the perfect sacrifice. And they're going to kill him. They're going to slaughter him. And then they're going to bury him thinking that the story is over. But oh, surprise, three days later, he's gone. And then he's around for like 40 days and he's revealing himself to 500 plus witnesses. And then he's back up with the father, but he's going back up there to prepare a place because he's going to round all of us up, Old Testament prophets and all believers and all that. And we're going to ride back with them in the end of it all. But he's going to call up the church. I mean, they're seeing this stuff and they're just like, can you believe this? Like, can you believe this? How blessed these guys are going to be. They're seeing these, these are all future events for them. And for us, we look back on the cross. But there is a future event still awaiting all of us, and that is his return. But in this moment, this day and age in which we live, we truly are a blessed people because of where we're at. It says they're trying to process this stuff, when it's going to happen, and all that good stuff. Verse 12, it says they were told that their messages were not for themselves. But for you, again, another reason, read the Old Testament. Why? Because they wrote those messages for you. Yes, it had direct application to the people of that day and all that good stuff and all the warnings and all that stuff. But some of those, well, all of it actually is for you and I, but specifically, context-wise, these prophecies were directly for you and I to give us a heads up. So you got to... Do your due diligence. Get into the Old Testament. Read through that thing, right? Um, and if you, you have a difficult time reading through it, I understand at times that that can be challenging. Download the Bible app. Listen to an you know audible through it or whatever. Or subscribe to some pastor who's preaching through the Old Testament. Whatever. Do whatever you got to do. But you get into the Old Testament, and you appreciate what people did in answering the call to the Lord to be used by him to, pres- to write the word, number one, but then also it being preserved throughout all these years for you and I to enjoy and to be given a heads up. It says that it, w- it wasn't for them. It wasn't for themselves, but for you. And again, I want to be a good Bible student here. Peter is spe- specifically speaking to the people of his day. Number one, they're going through lots of persecution that you and I are not experiencing, Okay. So he's encouraging them, but this does have a, an application to us as well. It says, now this good news, the gospel has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. That's good. That's what you need as well. You need a pastor. Hopefully, if you're here today. I'm assuming that maybe I'm your guy. I don't know, but 
I hope that's true. If not, you're visiting, that's cool. But you want to align yourself underneath somebody who's going to preach the word of God. And not just the New Testament. All the good stuff's in the New Testament. That's nonsense, right? Yes, all New Testament, amazing stuff. There's value within the Old Testament as well. And these guys, as Peter is telling them, you had a preacher preach to you from the Old Testament for your benefit. And these these prophetic truths have been proclaimed to you. We get them from the Old Testament. And they could find encouragement from that. And that's why, again, you align yourself under somebody who's going to preach and teach the Word of God. Now, I don't care if they do it in a topical way, as long as it's a balanced and healthy topical style, right? That has to be a part of it. But it should be the old and the new. It should, we shouldn't discriminate when it comes to the Word of God. Like in just picking our favorites and all that good stuff. Sit under a teaching with somebody, just like Peter is telling these guys, he's like, this, that's going to proclaim the gospel to you. They're going to announce it to you, okay? And hopefully inspired by the Holy Spirit too, all right? It says the last little sentence there. It is also wonderful. Also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. They are looking into what we're doing right now. And not just corporately what we're doing right now, but something maybe even into your life and just blown by the grace of God, blown away by the grace of God of like, holy cow. Like they're, they're just like, man, Lord, you are so gracious and compassionate, especially with this one. Golly, Lord, I don't know why you haven't squashed this guy yet, but man, this is amazing. Your mercy and new every morning, right? For a good old James Grizzle. Yes. I am probably surprising angels every single day of like, golly, look how good God is, right? But they're not even just us specifically, but with his story and how he's using and working with humanity and this great thing of his grace and the fact that he would send his only son to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, and then he'd be buried and risen again. The angels are like, holy cow, what a special thing. What an amazing thing. And that is why when somebody gets saved, they throw a party in heaven because angels get it. Angels get it. They see this thing. They're watching in the state. They're in the, the stands within the stadium and looking down in this thing called life, human life and existence here on this planet. And they're just like, whoa, man, what a messed up people. But look how good God is. And then when one of us knuckleheads goes over to his team, so to speak, they're just like, celebrate. And they celebrate. You and I truly are blessed people. And if you don't believe me telling you that, well, the angels themselves are like, man, these guys are blessed. Angels who are in his presence at all times. Look down at what we have been given by God, the opportunity, and they're like, those are some blessed people down there. We really are, guys. We can rejoice. In the midst of the trials, we need the trials. We don't like the trials. Didn't say you have to like them, but we need them. And then we just need to be reminded that we truly are a blessed people. We really are. Where you're at today, it may, things may not be going the way you thought they should be or whatever, but if you can take a step back and get a bird's eye view of your life, you should be able to proclaim, man, I'm blessed. Man, God is so good. He is so good. Hopeless, hopeless, red for
you're at all familiar with the book of Job, then you can easily see how the book of 1 Peter ties into Job's experience of suffering. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You might ask, why aren't the unrighteous the ones that experience suffering and hardship? Why are those that want to follow God with all their hearts the ones that face trials? The truth is, it doesn't make sense to anyone who doesn't know God. But by knowing Him, you're willing to endure hard things, trusting that there's good ahead. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter states, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and fear. So the next time you have an opportunity to share your testimony, make sure you include the fact that yes, you go through trials, but it's God working in and through you that gives you and others hope for the future. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken as we go through the book of 1 Peter. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. For those of you in the area, we would love to see you this Sunday. We meet every Sunday at 10 in the morning and every Thursday at 7 in the evening. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that laid-back atmosphere, you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad that you decided to spend your day with us. And we look forward to the next edition with you in the book of 1 Peter, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.